0: The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories...
1: Hey there, this is Josh Erson, and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. As you have seen in your podcast feed, we've released a handful of mini-episodes. These take a quick look at some of our past episodes. We have some amazing stories buried away amongst our own mediocre efforts, so we thought we should get out of the way and let the stars tell these great stories. For those of you who like our longer episodes, don't worry, we've got some of our biggest names yet coming up in the future, but they're about a month or two away. This mini-episode is on Diana Trask, a music trailblazer. Following World War II, she was the first Australian female to break into the big time in the USA. She was the first to star on primetime American television, she was nominated for a Grammy and her diversity saw her cross over from jazz to pop and then on to have a successful career in country music. 18 of her singles made the Billboard country charts. As a songwriter, she wrote a US Top 10 hit for the Osmond Brothers and throughout her career, Diana's friends have included Johnny Cash and Glenn Campbell. First discovered by promoter Lee Gordon, she was encouraged by none other than Frank Sinatra and Semi Davis Jr. that her future was in the USA and she had the talent to be part of the big time. If Frankie's and Semmy's recommendations aren't enough to convince you of Diana's bona fides, here's Johnny Cash talking about the girl from Country Victoria on his TV show.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Right now, I'd like you to meet a young lady from the Deep South, and I mean the Deep South, she comes all the way from Australia. But let me tell you, she's right here at home in Nashville. Miss Country Soul, Diana Trask.
1: Here's Diana talking about her experience meeting Frank Sinatra and what it was like being around one of the world's most famous entertainers at the heart of his fame. They
2: told me Sinatra was coming and I'd be part of the show, Australian content, and I was, I was thrilled. Yeah, And then um, we did Melbourne, and it was very sort of formal and all. And we went to Sydney, and I got there to the old stadium. It was the old stadium, and I got there, and uh, Frank's uh, manager came backstage about five minutes before I went on and said, look, you can't do My Funny Valentine. Frank's going to do it tonight. And I just went, what? I haven't got anything else prepared. You know, what am I going to do? And he said, well, you'll have to talk to Frank. (laughs) So here am I, 17 years old, going and telling the superstar of the world, I'm sorry, you can't do that song. I want to do it. (laughs) So so um, he was drinking his bourbon, you know, and I went up to him and I said, look, Mr. Sinatra, I'm sorry, but, you know, I have nothing else to do. If you want to do that song, fine, but I, I don't have any other song to sing. And, um, you know, and so he took a long swig of his bourbon and looked me up and down and then he turned to his manager and he said, oh, let the kid do it. She probably does it better than me anyway. So I did it. <laughs>
1: Frank Sinatra was one of the most popular stars on the planet, and he just happened to be dating one of the most loved actresses of the time, Ava Gardner. To add to the media intrigue, Ava Gardner had previously been married to Sinatra, with a couple divorcing in 1953. The on-again-off-again relationship was definitely back on again, with the press and the paparazzi going crazy. It just so happened that the Hollywood starlet was in Australia filming the blockbuster movie On the Beach. Gardner's filming in Australia coincided with Frank's tour Down Under, and the world media followed. Like the modern day mega couples such as Kim and Kanye or Harry and Meghan, the relationship between Gardner and Sinatra was perfect fodder for the international tabloid media. A reported lover's tiff between Ava and Frank had the press going bonkers and the search for the supposed other woman began. The media turned its spotlight to Diana.
2: Oh, well, yes, he had, um, she was down there shooting on the beach and apparently they had a big fight. And I was the only female that was around Frank at the time. So they decided that he and I were a number, which was really funny. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of mayhem and a lot of um, rubbish, you know, in the press. They were just sort of stalking me. And, oh, it was unbelievable. But, uh, you know, I was just a kid. I was like barely eight. I don't think I was 18, maybe 18. Yeah, I'd just come out of the convent. <laughs> I'd been a little convent girl. I came out of the convent and I was thrown into that. It was a bit of a drama, believe me.
1: Lee Gordon also toured the American showbiz legend Sammy Davis Jr. in 1959 and again he added Diana to the star-studded tour. Diana was still undertaking her apprenticeship and paying her dues, but she was learning from the masters.
2: That was a lesson. Yeah, I just stood in the wings of both of those guys and just watched and... uh you know, my mouth fell on the ground because he was so good. You know, who else was so helpful to me was uh, Nick Cole's brother and his wife. They appeared on Channel 9, and they were very helpful to me, too. Very helpful, you know, showing me things, teaching me stuff. And um, I think um, Frank, um, I mean, uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s manager, I I went on and opened up for Sammy And I came off and he grabbed me and people were going crazy and he said, get back out there! And he actually threw me back on the stage. And said, you always take a second bow. You always take a second bow. So I I learned. I learned.
1: (laughs) Earning high praise from the best in the business, it gave Diana the confidence to believe that she could make the hugely daunting move to America. It was reported at the time that the Rat Pack had paid her way to the States, but that wasn't the case. Just more media speculation. Diana paid her own way, but she still had the support of her newfound showbiz mates.
2: Yeah, well, it was really my idea to go to America. You know, I was always uh, drilling all these people. What's it like? What do we have to do? I always wanted to go to America, you know, and when I won that money for a Swallows Parade, that's what took me to America. I spent that to get myself to America. They helped me uh, in, in ways over here that was sort of indiscernible. They, you know, they'd fill up the club and they'd you know, they talk to the management and stuff like that in the background, you know. But um, basically, I got myself to America because I always wanted to come because I figured, you know, leave it to Beaver has to be real. I want to see it for myself.
1: <laughs> that's that's
2: true, by the way.
1: <laughs> when she arrived in the USA, Diana spent her first few weeks living in Sinatra's mansion and attending A-list celebrity parties.
2: It was very scary, you know, because I, I mean... He would, uh, I, he wore me on his arm around a little bit, you, you know, I went to dinners and things with all of these huge stars, and uh, they would grill me. Tony Curtis got me in the corner and grilled me about you know, Australia and what what was I going to do and why was I here, and I was very young, but um, really, in a way, I was Frank's, uh, kind of like his daughter, because he was much older, and uh, but he was very kind to me, he was very, you know, honest with me, and I think he... And he said to me one time, well, do you want help or do you want to do it on your own? And I said, I want to do it on my own because how else would I know? And he said, all right, all right, I won't do anything. You'll just, I'll just, you know, be in the background. So there it was. And I did call him a few times yeah, as of when I needed something, yeah, he, and he would get it done.
1: Here's Diana with My Funny Valentine.
3: My funny valentine Your looks are laughable, unphotographable. Yet you're my. Is your mouth a little weak when you open it to speak? Are you smiling? Oh, To speak, are you smart? Don't change your hair.
0: Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marco's Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid.
3: And presented by Josh
0: Urson. This is Molly Kid saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl!